tonight, face to face at last for the Super Clash, the Twin Towers versus the Mega Powers. It all started in the golden days of summer when the Madness joined the menu to mark the first triumph of the Mega Powers, the Hulkster, Macho Man, and the lovely Miss Elizabeth. But very soon, the lying smile of Brother Love betrayed the Hulkster, stunned by the brutal boss man. And blinded by the Sly Slickster, the Hulkster barely survived a beating that would have crippled the lesser man. Justice came swiftly for Brother Love, but the Slickster continued his vile agenda as his bully boys, boss men, and the king Pearl harbored the Mega Powers. Ejected from the ring that night, the treacherous twins were soon back to their dirty work, double-teaming the lone Hulkster. But then, the ultimate in cowardice, the handcuffing and vicious manhandling of the lovely Miss Elizabeth, enraging the Macho Man Randy Savage to this heroic rescue. With Slickster's response, a barbaric assault in the exposed spinal column of the Macho Man, rendering the brave champion helpless. Only the full front of Hulkamania could deter this treacherous threesome and issue the challenge to clash. Fair and square, team versus team, tonight in the main event. Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chaldelo Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. says I just whipped your ass. But be the man, you gotta beat the man. Woo! Look at this. He's Neighborhood Professor Chabelle Cruz, magnanimous, scholarly, vivacious, ultra studly, but most importantly, the glorious Professor Chabelle Cruz, the only objective man in the IWC YWC, the only objective man on the PWSO Facebook fan page, the only objective man on the PWR Podcast Facebook fan book, fan uh, Facebook. Fan page, my goodness, I, I must be drunk with the 
I'm drunk with power reflection. I, you know, whatever the case may be. It, it's the vodka. It's the it's the Long Island iced teas. It's the Budweisers. It's something out there. It's not the COVID, but it's something else inside the professor's system right now. But don't worry. I will get through this. We will get through this together. And welcome to the PWR Podcast here at the PWS Networks at Podbeam.com. And, of course, on the Big Vito brand on Patreon. And the Big Vito, Big Vito brand on the Twitch. My goodness, the professor's tongue twisting today. You know what it, what it is, Reflectionites, you know? Yesterday was a great night for the professor to, you know, a woman... TW, a woman slid into the professor's DMs. So this way, before he gets shocked, you know, with the tongue Tyler twisting. Huh? No, 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 no. Not Tyler Rex, not Nyla Rose. She was full-blown woman from birth, okay? So this is, this, is a, this is a great thing here. So that's why the tongue twisting is happening for the professor. But anyway, we're going to get through tight. this. What? Your tongue's tired. I got it. All right. Yes, it is. But anyway, welcome to episode, what is it, 132, 133. I forget the number. Big Ray will, you know, correct me when I'm wrong. Will correct us when he makes the, uh, the, the, the Facebook postings, the posters, if you will. But let's just say it's episode 133 of the PWR podcast here at the PWS Network at Podbean.com. And you heard that voice, of course, friends of the Magnificent Seven, friends of the Big Vito Whites. It is the conservative liberal. It is the man in charge, the gorilla monsoon of the PWR podcast. Your friend and mine, Mr. Wonderful, dum-dum duo himself, the Iron Stomach, Tommy Wonder. How are you doing, my friend, this week? Doing good. And I have one question. What is that question? Last time Tom Brady got the sixth Infinity Stone, what does he do now that he has the seventh? He gets another glove. We're all, he does. He's, he's no longer Michael Jackson. He's Thanos with two gauntlets. Oh, I know what it is. He's got that Iron Man gauntlet now. He's got one, and he needs five more for that one. Damn, I think just, I just ended the world. Um, did you did you watch the Super Bowl? Were you, were you, did the, the team you want to win win? I didn't actually care about the Super Bowl this past week, uh, T.W., to be quite honest. I I was hoping for Tom Brady to get the seventh uh, ring. But no matter, but no matter, the GOAT of all time of GOATs is LeBron James. King James is still the GOAT of GOATs. He doesn't even have the most NBA rings, let alone the most rings. So listen, I, listen to me. I'm not a Packers fan. I'm a Michigan State fan, so that means I'm not a Michigan fan. So I have... Tom Brady, I just respect as a guy who's watched football his whole life. He's the best there is. People keep bringing up this Deflategate. There's a new documentary out that basically proves there was never any evidence that he did cheat. There's multiple pieces, people on this documentary saying he couldn't. And basically the entire thing was the NFL saving face because they accused him of it. So rather than actually saying, ah, he didn't do it. They did the little uh, the the Mueller investigation tactic. We're like, yeah, we we couldn't prove he did it, but we couldn't prove he didn't either. Which last I checked, it was innocent until proven guilty. Not you got to prove your innocence. But the reason I cheer for him now, even more so than ever, you think I would ever cheer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win a Super Bowl? They used to be no. in the Lions division. They were it was Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota, and. Uh, it's probably someone I'm forgetting, too. But I think it was just those five. Now there's four. So, anyways, he is 
the Jeff Gordon of football. I don't even watch Nerd Car, but when I did pay attention to it, I always cheer for Jeff Gordon because I knew all the diehards hated him, so I wanted him to win. It's kind of like the Yankees. Everyone hates the Yankees or or the opposite. Everyone loves the Yankees, so I rooted against the Yankees because they were America's team. I hate Dallas Cowboys. I hate the people that everybody loves. I love the people that everybody hates. Tom mm-hmm. Brady is, how does your guy Ben Hameen say it? Heels over strong? Is it him mm-hmm. who says that? Yeah. Brady's a heel. Jeff Gordon's a heel. But they're the Kurt Angle heel. They're the ones that come out and tell you to drink your milk and have integrity and everything while just beating your ass. And they don't even have to be a heel. They're so not heel, they're heels, and I love it. You know why I cheer for Tom Brady? Has nothing to do with the seven ranks. Has nothing to do with anything. Just one reason and one reason only. 40 is the new 20, TW. You and I are in the same bracket. So, you know, for all the young whippersnappers out there, Respect your elders because we can still kick that ass and shout out. He's 43. He's 43. I'm 43. There's a show on Amazon Prime, if you have it. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Download or Upload. I think it's called Download. I don't know. It's the, it's the guy from Arnell's brother, the Green Arrow that wrestled Stephen Arnell. Is that his mm-hmm. name? ML. ML. It's his mm-hmm. brother. The, the Marty Jannetty of the ML brothers, but he's a much mm-hmm. better looking guy. That show, Tom Brady's walking out as he's walking in. I'm pretty sure it's that movie. Uh, because they keep downloading new bodies. And so basically the whole joke was that Tom Brady was coming there to get a new body that he trades it in every now and again. That's how he keeps playing. And that was from a year and a half ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's still spreading them rumors. But that dude is just a winner. And someone sent me a meme today where it says, COVID won't be around long, and then it says COVID, and it's pictures of Tom Brady for the last 16 years saying that's COVID. It's going to be around forever, just like Tom Brady. But the funny thing is, he's in better shape now than he was when he started. He was kind of bloated and chubby when he first started in, in New England, and now he's he just, you know, he, take, you he knows his body's his paycheck, so he takes care of it, unlike me. No, no, you, you know who takes care of it for him, his wife, Giselle. That's all that matters. You got to have your body taken care of if, you, if you're married to a hot model like Giselle. But anyway, uh, Reflection Nights, yes. But anyway, Reflection Nights, you know, that was our little Super Bowl spiel here. But let's get ready. I got the number now. It's episode 131. That's the exact <laughs> number of the PWR podcast. And we are celebrating an anniversary, so to speak, because this February of 89, this happened. No, it wasn't 33 million viewers, Reflectionites, but it was at, maybe it could have been 15 million viewers, TW. Maybe it would have been 20 million viewers, but that's not, that's a, you can call that a big drop off, but it's still 20 million viewers, so to speak. We are going to talk about the main event from 1989. The main event where it was on NBC, 8 o'clock. February 3rd, 1989, from the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The frozen tundra. This is your country. This is your neck of the woods, TW. (laughs) And we are celebrating this because, you know, on last week's SmackDown Reflection Nights and Big Vito Whites, you know, there was a segment. They were celebrating the main event from 1988, the 33 million viewers, TW. And, you know... I picked this episode for two reasons. One, just like you said, T.W., when you talk about Tom Brady, you got to, you know, I love to piss people off. And there's nothing that pisses people off right now in Twitter world than Hulk Hogan, racist Hulk Hogan. 
You know, I don't have racist Hulk Hogan on speed dial right now, Reflection Ice, so he's not going to talk about it. But anyway, TW, I needed at least to get a Hulk Hogan episode here. And number two, since he already talked about slamming that stinky giant in 1988, let's talk about 1989's main event, the precursor to WrestleMania V, the precursor to the Mega Powers exploding. And TW, the funny thing about the main event was... We always talked about the, the high arcing, you know, there's this word, high arcing storyline. So the high arcing storyline for the past couple of months, from, nine, from 1980, let's say from SummerSlam 1988 to Main Event 1989, was the subtleties of the, let's just say, the, uh, let's just say a little bit of drama, so to speak, between the Mega Powers. The drama between Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan, because you saw it between that time period that Macho Man had that kind of look of rage, look of jealousy, supposedly, to Hulk Hogan. And it manifested into this episode. So we'll get into the spoilers and all that stuff. But talk about that precursor, SummerSlam, to now, before we even talk about this match, TW, in TW's eyes. It's, um, it's funny because... As a heel, Macho Man wanted nobody near Elizabeth, like, unless he was using her as a human shield. So it was always weird to me as a kid, but almost in a good way, to see him not being upset with Hogan being near her, right? Like, mm-hmm. like he trusted Hogan or whatever, but it, it, was, it was like, oh, wow, he's grown up. You know what I mean? Like, he, he realizes everybody's not trying to take his girl, blah, 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 blah. But then... You see it, but I got a second take on it. You're doing storyline, but I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm like, this is before the Warrior beat him for the belt because mm-hmm. Savage won it at four. Hogan took it from Savage at five, and then Hogan lost it to Warrior at six. I always think Warrior won it at five, right? For some reason, it's probably because that Roman numeral with the with the, the the six, you know, that looks like four but inverted. But and mm-hmm. it made me realize... Not that I want to pile on Hulk Hogan, but this is, like, when Macho Man won it, Hogan had to help him. He hit DiBiase with the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he wins it, and then Hogan's got to bail him out all the time. And then, you know, they're in there. I did like seeing Macho Man in there with Akeem and, and Boss Man, where he would be considered a smaller guy. I mean, he's really not much bigger than Brett or Sean, and he's in there with these behemoths that Hogan's always in there with. But... But this is, if, if you're looking at it through the eyes of an observer, not a fan, you see that I've always felt like Hogan sabotaged Warrior by leaving. But he sabotaged Savage while staying. Like, everything mm-hmm. he did made Savage look bad as a champion, right? So the heel turn and giving the belt back to Hogan is basically... Hogan getting his way, getting the belt back, even if it was planned ahead of time. I don't care. I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't think Warrior ever got a fair shake as champ. I don't think Savage ever got a fair shake as champ. And it's almost better for Brett and Sean that their runs came after Hogan was gone because Mm -hmm. it felt like whoever was there was not getting a fair shake as long as Hogan could do anything he could on TV. Like, And I know it's part of the storyline, but all the stuff that happens – Every other word out of Hogan's mouth is Randy didn't mean it. Randy didn't mean it, right? Like so everything mm-hmm. he's doing is throwing Randy under the bus. Always. And right. 
So for me, even like if you suspend this belief of reality, you're, oh, Savage is almost a good guy here because A, Hogan's all over his woman. B, he's trying to make him look bad to his woman. So mm-hmm. to me, in hindsight, Savage is justified because all these years he thought everyone was trying to take his woman when they weren't. Right. Hogan really is trying to take his woman. And then you got the real life stuff where he, he housed her when they were separated and all that. So it, this is a lot of. Oh, you went, into, you went into the you went into the future of the nineties, but let let well, me I'm just say that like it's I'm not life is what what ends up happening. But I, no, no, I get you. Attention to this feud. How can you blame Savage? Oh, absolutely. I don't blame Savage at all. I think Savage was actually justified in everything you just saying. But you know what? The funny thing is, let's go back a little bit because what you said actually resonates with a lot of people. Actually resonates with the professor. You said. Savage didn't get a fair shake as champion when he won it in 88, you know, as as much as anything, it was grandstanding from Hulk Hogan to help him win. It was grandstanding for Hogan to share the spotlight. It was grandstanding to share the spotlight with Savage as a champion for the mega powers run. Now we all know the logistic reasons that Hogan was filming no holes barred during 19 that summer of 1988 so he needed some time off before you know of course coming back for SummerSlam 88 mega powers mega bucks so now tw let, let's look at the examples before we get into this match per se of the hierarchy storylines remember SummerSlam 88 with the itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka, polka dot bikini even though there was no polka dots it was red it was some good red painting Still in the bank. That's the greatest I've ever seen Elizabeth look was that day. And, and the one thing that Hogan did that Savage, it stuck in his mind, was Hogan touched the ass of Miss Elizabeth. When when she she was being carried on Macho Man's shoulders, Hogan copped the field. Savage didn't know this until the replay was played in, in the locker room. He kind of let it fester. So that, that was one issue for Savage. Issue number two were Survivor Series of 1988. Now, this is kind of funny because there was really nothing that 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 really spoke of the grandstanding. It was just like, you know, little things happened here and there. You know, I think Savage was handcuffed. Hogan was handcuffed. They were kind of like bouncing back and forth with the, the feud they were having with the Twin Towers. And before we even talk about the hierarchy storyline, TW, a quick minute synopsis of the untapped potential of the Twin Towers, the real black man of the group, Prince Akeem and the big boss man. I mean, you know, in 2021, TW, we might be making fun of this group because of, it, it's because of the costumes they're wearing. But this is larger than life. This is a gimmick that just works. Now, you know, I know you're a UWF guy and probably you hated Akeem being Akeem because he was the one man gang, former UWF heavyweight champion. But you got to admit, at least for WWF purposes, it's like the Bushwhackers and the Sheep Herders. Akeem just added a different dimension to his character in the WWF, and he needed Akeem more than he needed One Man Gang. What say you about the Twin Towers? I'll go one step further, because he actually was One Man Gang there for a while before switching. Right. I will say this. I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion or if people have common sense like me, but you mentioned the Bushwhackers. A lot of people were mad about them being the Bushwhackers after being the Sheepherders. I talked about it about how I was legit scared of these guys because of all the highlights of them just bloodying everybody up, 85, 86. Um, but I don't think anyone's going to argue the Bushwhackers were 10 times more lucrative for them than the Sheep Herders were. 
Absolutely. Um, Akeem, as silly as it was, it's actually in, it's endearing to me now. Like like watching him do that promo before the match, he's all in. Like he embraced it. Like he he's the anti Red Rooster. He is all in, loving every second of it. Yeah, one man game was a big badass, whatever. But really, what did it get him? He's the one man king. He's got the he's Akeem the Dream or Hakeem the Dream, whatever he was. Akeem, yeah. Akeem the African Dream. Right. But it was a take on Akeem Olajuwon's name. So, but Hakeem the Dream. But he embraced it. Akeem was more lucrative for him than One Man Gang ever was. And lastly, one more guy. And the reason you know this is, is because when they come back for Legends Night, they don't come back as the sheep herders, come back as bushwhackers. If you see Akeem, he's Akeem. He's not One Man Gang. The other person on that list is IRS. Probably one of the worst gimmicks of all time. The only thing worse is right to censor, which is very similar in look. But the bottom line is, IRS made that dude more money than anything Mike Rotunda ever got paid for. You know, even Michael Wall Street, all that stuff. He went. He even came back as IRS after leaving and becoming Michael Wall Street, which was basically an attempt to still be IRS, right? A loaded guy with, you know, a suit or whatever. But all these gimmicks, and you know, I hate to say it, I never, I never ever in a million years thought I would, but... I missed that because everybody was different. You know, there wasn't three cops running around. There wasn't three Mm -hmm. white dudes playing Africans, you know, running around. There wasn't a guy dressed like Macho Man around the fucking curtain waiting his turn. And it was only one Hulk Hogan, one warrior. Even the road warriors were there at the same time as the warrior. They didn't look the same. One is this big, tall muscle dude with long hair and loud colors. These two are weird haircuts that plug into each other and they're wearing red and black so they're they're the muted version but also the more massive guys and everyone looked different whereas you turn on wrestling now any of it there's a million guys in nxt that look the same there's a million guys in aew that look the same as the million guys in nxt raw smackdown so as much as gimmicks gimmicks separated the the wrestlers Gimmicks right. separated the personalities. Gimmicks you know gave them range. You knew who you would get. Yeah. Confuse people. And, like, as much as I'm not a big New Day guy, because I think they're the modern bushwhackers, they're loud. They peacock. They stand out. They have a good time. And they're la- they're endearing. They're six years in. And mm-hmm. with that, that pink and blue and then that the outfits they did for, for Brody, that's pretty awesome stuff. But they have their own look that no one else and, and, and my guy, my favorite guy is Xavier. They can't. No one can touch the New Day on, on the gimmicks, you could right? say. And But the boots that um, Xavier Woods wears, like the little Aladdin boots looking things. Like, he's my favorite. I can't believe he's not singles yet. Like, he's got every opportunity in the world to be made singles. Because every mm-hmm. time it's just him and Kofi, Kofi gets hurt. So, but I regret, I digress. I think Hakeem then hated it, now appreciate it for what it was and, and the twin towers again before we get into this hierarchy and storyline and this match reflection at and big Vito whites on episode 131 of the pwr podcast twin towers should have been the tag team champions right I don't, they, they, they missed the boat on that one no nope, they didn't yes they did there's a reason andre the giant finally got a title in the wwf because they had wow. Haku to do the job who are you beating on the twin towers who should they lose to no one and we're going to get to the end of this, and we're, we're just pointing fingers at the Hulkster because right. something happens at the end that pisses me off because 
like again, this is going to make me defend John Cena, but, oh. but it's just, it's just, it's who who's taking the loss? It's, ludic it's ludicrous. It's like, ludicrous. Three hundred pounds or six foot six, seven year inches tall. Who's beating them to win the belts? You would inevitably have to put. Well, I guess you could have an Andre and Haku type team win, and then that guy can lose it, and then we can go back to small teams. But really, mm -hmm. you can't put belts on big giant guys like Andre. Like Andre as a singles champion would never lose it. So you can't put the belt on him. Like it would have to be. And then if it is Hogan that beats him to win it, then Hogan can never lose because he beat the guy who can never lose, right? So mm -hmm. you're just stuck. You're stuck. Obviously, you got guys I don't know. I, I don't like know. I don't know. I kind of disagree. I think you could have had a 50-50 booking between them and Demolition. 1989. Yes, you could have. I think you could have. They, they booked monsters as monsters. Well, like I said, I, I think you could No, I, again, this is WWF booking, so they can't have the, the heels of the Twin Towers win. I'm just saying in my own humble opinion, you could have had a, a nice three- to four-month run as tag team champions. You know who they broke that? Stringwood is Earthquake and Typhoon. Where right. he beat them, the freaking World Warriors, or the Nasty Boys, one of them two nut jobs. No, so, it was actually it was Money Inc. Oh, even worse. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, again, the hierarchy storyline. We went to Survivor Series. You know that was supposed to be the, uh, I guess you could say the genesis of the Mega Powers. They survived all the odds against you know the Twin Towers team, and again. There was a little friction with Macho Man's. He had the look. He had that look of disdain. He had that look, look of rage against Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan was turning a blind eye. You know, nobody. You know, the only person that actually noticed this was always Jesse the Body Ventura because he was always a Macho Man fan. He, even though that he was a babyface, Jesse Ventura always, you know, praised Macho Man. He didn't like him as a full-fledged fledged babyface. But he praised Macho Man because that was one of his favorite wrestlers as the heel commentator. Now we get into the interesting part, TW, Royal Rumble 89. And Macho Man blames Hogan for, you know, eliminating him in the Royal Rumble. And, of course, it took the lovely Miss Elizabeth to, you know, hold it all together, hold the mega powers together. And, of course, you know, Hogan lasted a little bit longer and he got eliminated, but that, that, that's neither here nor there. Now we get into the main event slot here. And you kind of mentioned it here, but this was the first time in main event, because of the main event 1989, it was the first time that Hogan actually mentions that there was a relationship between Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. If you really looked at it from anything before the main event night, 1989 Reflection Nights, there was no mention of a relationship. There was no mention of them being boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever the case may be. It was <laughs> or husband or husband and wife. It was him, and that was his valet or manager, whatever the case may be. He protected her. He did all the shenanigans. If anything, you know, the funny thing was, Three years prior to 1989, George the Animal Steel was trying to get at Miss Elizabeth. He wanted to, he wanted to get them digits. He wanted to slide in her DMs, so to speak, Reflection Nights. But Macho Man was very protective of that. And people were cheering for George the Animal Steel to be Miss Elizabeth's girlfriend. So now we fast forward three years later. This is different. This is different here. And you know what, TW here? T.W. have a little bit of a microphone issue here, so just kind of like, you know, just try to, I don't know if, the, if it's your Skittles that you're eating at the microphone, but just hold off a little bit. But anyway, this interview was kind of funny. 
TW because it kind of recognized that relationship. It, it was kind. It was kind of weird here. So what say you, TW, about that? He ran down the throuple. Yeah. Him and Elizabeth had a friendship love. Him and Macho Man had a brother love. And Macho Man and Elizabeth, Macho Man had that love for Elizabeth, like man looking at a woman love. And I, like you, was like, whoa, is he about to say they're married? And he didn't. He stopped short of it. But mm -hmm. Macho Man was on board. He was all in. He was like, yeah, yeah. Like, he was basically mansplaining to Macho Man the difference between his love for Elizabeth and his love for Elizabeth. Like, yeah, I love her, but like a sister. You love her right. like, ooh, 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 ooh. Mm -hmm. make ladies. Yeah, so, and, and Macho Man, you, you could see it in his eyes reflection. And he was kind of like, why you keep, why are you talking about this love that you have for Elizabeth? That was the first thing, because it triggered him, because he heard love and he heard Elizabeth in the same sentence. So you saw that. It, it was kind of like, oh, he, he took a step back here, Reflection Nights. So that's one part of the spectrum of the interview that caught the professor's eye. The second sp uh, point of the interviews was the Twin Towers. Now, the Twin Towers interview was plain. It was, you know, it was heelish, TW. But it was one thing that caught my eye on this one. It was because of what Mean Gene said. And, you know, we live in 2020 wonder. We live in woke, wokeism, as they call it. You know, he, he accused the Twin Towers of being Al-Qaeda. He accused Twin Towers of being, you know, like Saddam Hussein, North Korea, South Korea. He accused them of, of being terrorists, T.W. Did you hear the promo, you know, the, the, the interviewing styles of Mean Gene Oakland and that? And it kind of threw me off like they weren't terrorists. They were just heels doing heel things, healing things. He was going over strong. What did you think ironic, of that? Ironic that Twin Towers would be the ones that he's calling terrorists, right? Uh, so yeah. here's what happened with me. I'm watching the Macho Man Elizabeth and uh, Hogan get interviewed by Gene, and I'm looking at the screen going, I wonder if Hogan ever watches this and realizes he's the only one left. Then they peel over to the Twin Towers, Slick and, and Mean Gene, and I'm like, both guys on the left are gone. Both guys on the right are still here. Like, it's just sad. That, that mm -hmm. really isn't that long ago, and these guys are in their 30s. So they should be around in their 60s right now, not dead for 10 years, 15 years. And it's just wrestling has a way of sobering me up when I watch it sometimes, when we watch some of these 80s, 90s, early 90s, but, but mostly the mid to it's, late 80s. It's, it's very just, humbling to know that only one man gang and Hulk Hogan are still left from this right. titanic confrontation right. here. Yes, it is. I don't. I don't remember if the referee was Joey Morella, but he was always the referee for Hogan. So until mm -hmm. the Hepner stuff, and then it's just, it's insane how many people are gone, and it's just like you know when we were doing the show years back, we'd watch a WrestleMania and I'd lose count because every match had at least one dead person, and then mm -hmm. finally we got to like Steamboat Savage, and I know that ain't a good one. Savage is gone. Um, it was it was it was a match where I was like, wow, both guys and the referee are still alive, and I was I was pleasantly you know surprised not or not surprised but finally mm -hmm. that you know somebody was right. uh, alive still in, in every aspect of the match, but it's just you know it's just it's sobering, and so when they were doing when I was watching them interviews, I wasn't paying too much attention. Hogan, Savage, and Elizabeth, I did because of all the love stuff, but then I would that's when it hit me, and then when they went over there. And I do remember, I don't remember exactly what he was saying, but I just remember Akeem just kept bobbling his head and just being all in. And then mm -hmm. Lost Man saying something about, we beat him up, we beat him up, and if you bring that person, we'll beat that guy up too. And I just thought, oh, they're doing good, you know? And, and then I, I, I digressed again where I'm like, 
my mind wanders. I'm like, that's Big Bubba Rogers. That's the war machine right there from War Games. That's the war machine. Mm-hmm. And then Slick, I don't know whatever happened to him. I think he got into wrestling on accident and and then got out in the in the in the middle of the night. He left town just like you know he came in and uh, no, he, he, joined, he, he he uh, devoted himself. You know, like a you know, born again Christian. He devoted the, to the church. So you know, the slick is still around. He's just devoted more. You know, full time to the Lord. He's serving the Lord. Yes, he he you and you know, Pastor Vol should do something together. You know, you should you know, <laughs> slide into it. No, I can't. I can't book it. You know, you slide into Slick's DMs. Yeah, you you got to You got to slide into Slick's DMs and and say, let's do this. He could be. We'll find him. But anyway, but anyway, let's get into this main event. This is, you know, there was two matches here. It was on NBC. You know, it was like, I think it was 90 minutes long, if not, or just an hour, because it was just very, you know. It was, it was yeah, it was either 8 to 9 or 9 to 10, depending on where you was on, where you was living in the United States. But anyway, the first match is the Mega Powers against the Twin Towers. Now, TW, we could talk about the certain, you know, intricacies of this match, but I just want to say something here. I want to go a little bit back, you know, three years ago, and then bring it into the precipice of here. Now, in 1989, I'm about 11 or 12 years old by this time here. So I'm getting a little bit, I'm not going to say I'm getting a, a little, you know, wind of the business, so to speak. But I, but I noticed certain things. Like, I remember when I saw this match coming here and I saw all the stuff, the high-arcing storylines that I was talking about, right, T.W.? I remember Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan. I remember Paul Orndorff betraying Hulk Hogan. And that one kind of threw me off because it wasn't as subtle, so to speak, until I saw, until three years later. Then I was like, I took all the, I took all the, you know, I, I did my homework. I wrote my notes here. I was like, wait a minute. Paul Orndorff was pissed at Hogan for missing a gym uh, membership or something. Paul Orndorff took over a match against the Moon Dogs, and it and Paul Orndorff was pissed at Hulk Hogan grandstand during his match against Stud and Bundy. So it was imperative that Paul Orndorff was about to betray Hulk Hogan. I was like, oh wait a minute, it's main event. And I'm going like this: main event last year, Hulk Hogan got screwed out of the title. This year, Hulk Hogan's getting betrayed by Macho Man. I was expecting Macho Man. There was nothing surprising here. What about you, TW? I know you're like, you know, you're in your teen years, but you had to see this coming, did you? I was 13. Mm-hmm. I'm still living in Detroit Rock City without cable, so I was pretty happy this was on free TV. I do remember watching it, and ironically, hindsight, of course, I remember when it was over, I think I was more upset with the fact that there were only two matches than I was that Hogan got turned on by Macho Man. Like, <laughs> I was upset. And I want to say as a 13-year-old kid, I'm like, because if you watch it, not only does Hogan leave and not care that he left Macho Man behind, mm-hmm. he looks around and acts like he can't hear Macho Man asking him questions behind him before Akeem grabs him by the hair. So, again... Maybe not at 13. I, I remember being stunned when I, I remember being happy when Elizabeth sent him back in and Hogan came running out to save the day. But I, I remember being stunned when Macho Man dove over everybody and knocked Hogan through the 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 gimmicks back there, the blinds and whatever they had mm-hmm. set up to make it look like an infirmary. Um, right. 
I rem- I just remember being stunned and it's funny you say about Orndorff because I'm pretty sure that was on Saturday morning superstars against Jobbers, wasn't it? They they was just Sat- ho- Saturday morning or Saturday evening, but it was superstars. but it was Hogan and Orndorff versus Jobbers. So a it was a rare occasion for Hogan on TV wrestling. It wasn't just a promo, and mm-hmm. b it was. It was the shot heard around the world, like the clothesline from hell. Like, to this day, as a 47-year-old man, if my buddy's standing next to me, I'm holding that arm up and then turning and clothesline him. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, and, and in my third match ever, Rico and I, our first 11 matches, we went to a time limit draw, 15-minute time limit draw. And in Lincoln Park, Michigan, uh, I wrote about meeting Two Cold Scorpio on a post that the Dawn of Destruction put up. The night I met Two Cold Scorpio, I asked him to watch mine and Rico's match and, and give us pointers or whatnot. And uh, so at the end of our match, the crowd's chanting five more minutes. We're green. It's our fourth match ever, first one in the U.S. And and I stick my hand out to shake his hand, right? And he's looking like, no, no, no. We didn't talk about this in the back. I just did it in the moment. And the referee's A.T. Huck, and he's watching like, what are you doing, Wonder? What are you doing? And finally... I grab Rico's hand, and everyone can tell him, don't do it. And then I pulled him in for the hug. And then when he pulled out, I pulled him back in and gave him a knee to the gut and gave him mm-hmm. a spinning power bomb without telling him. I just did it. And then I told the referee <laughs> to count it because it was a sit-out. And all you hear is, you asshole, because I made him look bad, right? But also, they're already chanting five more minutes, and I did that. So now they want to see us wrestle again next month. And they want to see Rico kick my ass because of what I did to him. And unfortunately, they didn't book us to come back next month. But we wrestled all over Michigan, Ohio, and Windsor against each other. But it was a, it was just an in-the-moment thing. And it was very Paul Orndorff. And that's probably where I got the inspiration to do it. But but Orndorff, man, it, to me, it was a what for. So you saying about the gym membership and about, you know, missing the appointment at the gym. And, and then Grant saying, I remember him saying that after not before. Mm-hmm. So right. it's the Mandela effect, right? So mm-hmm. he was telling people why he turned on Hogan, but I don't think I saw it coming before it happened. And I just remember thinking, what? And, and contrary to his name, I didn't take the name Tommy Wonder because of Paul Orndorff. I took it because of the Wonder Man in, in the Avengers. And so mm-hmm. obviously I liked him because I just like the name Wonder, you know, like all things Wonder. All right, I like this guy. I did steal number Wonder from him because of his tights number one okay. full i just use mm-hmm. number one there um but but macho man turning on him i think they did a good job of making him the original loose cannon like you knew something was coming to a head it's kind of mm-hmm. like walking dead shane and mm-hmm. rick one of them had to go right mm-hmm. right by the time that happened i didn't care which one it was whereas i stopped watching once rick left the show but that night I would have been fine with Shane being the guy that killed Rick and Rick's gone just because every episode they're trying to survive and everything. And these two are bickering with each other. So just like that on TV, Hogan and Macho Man are trying to get things done, but they keep Macho Man keeps bickering with him. So something had to give. It would would have been nice in hindsight for Hogan to turn on him and take Elizabeth and Mm -hmm. Hogan be the heel. Then we could have had the NWO 10 years earlier, but he didn't do it. Who who knows? Well, that's hindsight being 2020. But now, yeah, of course it's it's about the 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 wing eagle belt. That is a beautiful that is a beautiful belt. But anyway, let's get into this match here per se. Now, you know a lot of things that people blame Vince McMahon for, and you know this is actually a microcosm of it because you know he takes his two singles guys 
heels and baby faces. You got Macho Man, you got Hogan. You know, this is a tag team main event, but this is like, you know, this is almost telling us that Vince McMahon doesn't cater to the tag team scene. He doesn't cater to tag team wrestling because he needs his singles guys. Something happens at the end to tell you that too. Yeah, that that's the problem here. So, you know, it's almost like a symbolic TW that, you know, we're seeing like four single guys in a tag team match. But, you know, it's a microcosm of what we're going to see in the 90s and the 2000s and people bickering and bitching and moaning on, t- on, t- on Twitter and Facebook. You know, why does Vince McMahon do this? We need, thank God for AEW and tag team wrestling is back again. You know, TW, we saw this happen in 1989. Maybe we were just blind to, to the fact, right, TW? Or I'm just like nitpicking right now. And it's it's very it's very essence of you know you know what I think I just figured out why he did it. Why? Ricky Steamboat got run out of town for stealing WrestleMania three out from under Hogan, and I believe '87 <laughs> and '88 the tag team Survivor Series matches stole the show. And mm-hmm. the, from that point on, they never had that thing again. It became those teams of four. Or they just put tag teams. Wow. And 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 then it just became the redheaded stepchild to be a tag team. And just to skip ahead to what I'm talking about, you probably caught this too. At the very end, when Hogan goes looking for Macho Man, mm-hmm. he first of all tosses um, Nightheart. Then he goes past Nightheart and tosses Shawn Michaels by his face. Then grabs Bret Hart by the face like he's a little baby. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? And then stares Marty Jannetty down and just made their two top tag teams look like bitches while he's out looking for Monster Man. And I just thought, wow. Symbolism. Symbolism, T.W. It's your man. It's the the man, you know, controlling the world in Hulk Hogan, bitch slapping the tag team division. Now that... It's because they stole the show in 87, 88 Survivor Series. I never looked at it from that perspective. So you you actually opened the professor's eyes saying that. So think about this, Magnificent Seven. Think about this, Vito Whites. 87, 88, after that, the tag team division was never the same in WWF again. So you blame all those tag teams in Survivor Series 87 and Survivor Series 88. So now let's get into this, TW. Let's get into this match per se. You know, what did you think about the match? You know, the way it was going before we talk about those high spots. And, of course, the the, the most infamous spot of Macho Man hurling into Miss Elizabeth and then everything snowballs downhill from there. The match didn't do much for me because it, what it was was a Hogan versus Big Man match. He just was doing it with two big men. And then every now and again, Macho Man was involved. I, I did like, like I said, but it was mainly when Macho Man was left alone in there. I liked all the stuff he did. Like, he looked like a cat, right? Like, he's using his agility and speed to offset Akeem's size and, like, mm-hmm. running to the top rope, jumping over the top rope with the neck over the top rope on Akeem, um, doing all these things that you'd have to do as a smaller man against a big man, either that or chop the leg. And, right. And that would be boring as shit. So he's doing the high flying, the double axe handles. Akeem takes the absolute laziest high cross body bump I've ever seen in my life. Like, mm-hmm. I literally thought he was trying to catch him and fell, but then they got a pin and then Boss Man broke it up. But I just, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to skip ahead too much because, uh, again, it, it's going to – I cringe when people talk about Super Cena, yet they're all – No, 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 no. But before the, the, the race video and all that stuff, t- you know, Tane and Hogan, people love that guy through everything. This guy, we talked about it on many shows – 
He wrestled as a heel. He did finger gouges to the eyes. He did back rakes. He threw salt mm-hmm. in people's face. He uh, of kicked course. in the face. He ran him into the turnbuckle. He did a lot of illegal stuff, and, and he was this big baby face. But he buries guys. Like, if you're a big man, it's inevitable that you're getting fed up the system, smoking everybody until you get in there with Hogan, mm-hmm. and then you're done. But you, but you know what, T.W., I, I understand where you want to go with the Super Cena and Super Hogan concepts, but let's stick to the bad. Cena was that bad. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm let, let's he talk about a 16-time world champion. means he lost it 16 times. Hogan's yes, he did. Four. No, Hogan's like five in WWE. Yeah, five. one when he came back. I mean four in his peak. No, six, actually, in WWE and four in WCW. So he's ten times. So he's okay. But anyway. I'm talking about 84 to, to 90 yeah. when he was relevant. Okay, okay, okay. But, again, forget about the Super Cena, Super Hogan thing. Let's go into the Hogan wants to act like like this is the Oscar performance. That he's trying to win an Emmy. He's trying to win a Tony. He's trying to win a Grammy. The spot of spots where... Akeem the African Dream hurls Macho Man Randy Savage outside the ring, and God, God bless Miss Elizabeth. She took one for the team, and I don't know. Vince McMahon must have gave her a hundred thousand dollars. I, I would say he, he paid her the least fifty thousand, the most one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to take that spot, and she took it well. It, for any valet, she took the hardest hit I ever remember in the 80s. You know, I this is before ECW, like, took it up a notch with power bombs through tables. It was still and, safe. Right. This was this, just her taking 260 pounds to her 80. Right, to her 80 and to the head and to the neck area. So that was one thing. For, but TW, we're not talking about that. We're talking about... Hulk Hogan, the actor. Terry Bollea, the actor of acting. The man looks so concerned for Miss Elizabeth. He put his shoulders on Macho Man saying, Are you all right, brother? You're all right, brother. He kind of pushed, he nudges him away, and then he goes into he goes into Florida Evans. Why? 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 <laughs> and, and carries Miss Elizabeth out. What did you think of the acting abilities of Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea? For one, Elizabeth broke wrestling rule 101, dead sold. Like, she literally was dead. At one point, Hogan had her arms on her chest like this. Wait, 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 wait. You said she broke a rule. I thought she kind of, you know, held on. I mean, she kept it. Kept You're it not supposed good. to dead sell. You got to, like, give them, give the fans some, like, signs of life. That's why Mike Utley did the thumbs up. You got to let people know you're going to be all right. And she's just dead. Like she's not breathing. And then that just signals Hogan to be the most overdramatic, terrible, fake crying ass. Oh, by the way, I watched a lot of wrestling this last week. I was watching the build up to the Hogan Michaels match. Gold. Lots of gold. And it's all on the network. You can just go to the April of 05 and the July of 05 Raws and see Michaels' interviews and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, but uh, Lillian Michaels got dumped by Viscera. And when she had to ring and introduce him to the ring against the heartthrobs, by the way, I was seeing for the first time, how long were they in the WWF for a week? Because I don't even remember the heartthrobs. Romeo and Antonio. Terrible. That's the third heartbreak. Anyways, 
they told her, hey, you got dumped by Big Biss, but we'll make you say, yeah, yeah. And then she introduced Viscera with her lip trembling and then sat ringside crying because she was heartbroken that Viscera broke up with her and joined the uh, Godfather and the Pimps. Or the... Mm-hmm. The, the host. The host. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, Hogan, please be alive. Please be alive. And all I thought was, good Lord, if... If Vince Russo has a problem with Drew McIntyre's sword being on screen for 30 seconds, he'd really be upset to see Elizabeth dead selling and Hogan saying, Be alive! Be alive! Oh, Liz, please be alive. Randy didn't mean it. Randy didn't mean it. This is overdramatic acting from Hulk Hogan, but, you know, the great acting, again, I have to give props where props are due. I mean, Hogan suck. We know this. We, we're not going to, we're, we're not even going to dispute this. I'm not trying to do count, point, counterpoint, because we're both, you know, on the same page here. But look at Macho Man Randy Savage. He gets his win together. He gets his faculties all together. Did you see the look? The look of rage. What are you doing? He didn't. Yeah, he is. What are you doing? This is my woman. This is it. Everything was not about his manager. This was about his woman. And Hogan not only copped the field again on that ass, but he was holding on to Elizabeth. You know, another man is holding on to my woman. You don't they did, do that. They did, they did do one thing to protect Savage here because easily Hogan could have said, well, you didn't even see if she was all right. Well, he was trying to, but Hogan was bogarting the situation, and Akeem grabbed him by the hair and pulled him back mm. in the ring, so he right. never had a chance to, which never comes up. But v- Jesse, well, he likes Monster Man, so he, he's not going to do it. But Vince could have said, well, Monster Man didn't even try to help her, so Hogan had to, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. but they didn't they didn't touch on that. But I, I like the fact that Savage looked like he was trying to, and then Akeem stopped him, so made it mm-hmm. better. Yeah, so Hogan takes her, takes her back to the locker room, and of course, you know, he doesn't care about the match, he doesn't care about the win, he doesn't care about the winner's curse, all that stuff. Macho Man has to fend off the Twin Towers here, so the dichotomy of the match is that the, the little small man against two big monsters, and you know what? When I'm looking at this part of the of the match, TW, I have to reflect on the the run of Macho Man Randy Savage as the quote unquote the man of WWF, holding on to the title, holding on to the torch. This is actually symbolic of what he's has he's carrying the company on his shoulders against the monsters here. So, you know, and again, now we got let's get into the business, not into the match. Let's just get into the business sense of Vince McMahon. You know, Hulk Hogan is his golden goose. We know this, but the but Macho Man, you you said it again minutes ago. He didn't get a fair shake. He could have handled the monsters. He could he could have had he could have had great matches against the monsters. Macho Man was AJ Styles of the '80s and early '90s. He could have had matches with with the monsters, and he could have elevated the Michaels and the Hearts and all that and the Million Dollar Mans into the technically sound matches. And he could have had a run for, with the belt more than a year, two years. Maybe two and a half years. What say you, TW? It, it's funny because as we talk about it, I'm running through my head. I think the only person you mentioned that I even remember him having matches with is DiBiase because he won the belt from him. So there was probably some return matches. But mm-hmm. Sean, I think I think he defended it against Sean. Um, I know. I think the only ones I remember because I had the MSG Network or that. I know that time. I mean, like. My point is, and if it wasn't Sean, then I'm confusing Flair. I think Flair defended. No, the, the 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 only matches for the belt that I remember off the top of my head was DiBiase, Andre, Bad News Brown, and maybe one of the Twin Towers. Hulk, That's all I can. But, and of course, Hogan. When Macho Man was champion, what is the most memorable part of his reign? 
the mega power story. Mm-hmm. You don't. I can remember Hogan fighting Rick Rude, fighting Kurt Hennig, fighting Brutus Beefcake, fighting Greg Valentine. Like they would beat the MSG shows, and they would show them on my news here on Sunday nights. Bernie Smilovitz, who came to New York for a little while before coming back here, he's a sports guy on our NBC channel. He and and you would see Hogan like against Stud, against Andre, against Bundy, against Morocco, against Orton. He would fight everybody. I don't have those memories of the Macho Man. My memories of the Macho Man as champ are teaming with Hulk Hogan in, in those matches. The Twin Towers, uh, Zeus and, and DiBiase, um, him fighting DiBiase early on, but I don't remember anything after that. I don't even remember the Bad News Brown match, but I, I just... I remember, um, and this was before he was champion, him fighting Honky Tonk Man, and that's when Brett and Neidhart held him while Honky Tonk hit him with the guitar. And was it Hogan that made the save them? Elizabeth went and got Hogan. And that was on a main event. So all of it, his whole babyface time was eclipsed by Hogan being there. And just there's there's a picture that they put on, on memes all the time of Macho Man sitting in a window seal and you see like the mountains behind him and he's just deep in thought like this that was in the wwe magazine and it was called the macho man's first 100 days as champion i don't know why i remember it so well because i was a macho man fan as a heel i think i told the story about how i ordered the shirt from the magazine and i thought the sizes were ages so Mm -hmm. i i ordered the the, the 1214, thinking it was for 12 and 14-year-olds, but it was for, like, probably 12 to 14-month-olds. And so right. it was super tight. I had to give it to my little brother. But I really, really liked the Macho Man. So when he won the belt, I you know, back when you think it's real, you and, and even still to this day, because I know the politics involved, and when someone gets a belt, 99% of the time they earned it, you know. So but I had this sense of pride for Macho Man, and I just thought it was such a – Pointed, pointed. Is that it? Just the the. It was very just. It was artsy how they had the picture where he's not looking at the camera. He's reflecting, and mm-hmm. it's basically him reflecting on his hundred first hundred days as champ. And it's just like it was just downhill from there. Everything from that point on involved Hogan, because you know hundred days is three months. I don't so, even. I don't even remember that magazine cover. I don't yeah, even remember. I, I don't recall it. So I just, it was the cover of the magazine, yeah. So, mm-hmm. or it was the one of the pictures in the article inside right. the magazine. But do you know the picture I'm talking about? He's in street clothes, but like Macho Man street clothes. Not I think I remember, I think I remember, yeah, the meme you're talking about. I just, I forget the, yeah. With the bandana. And right. I just remember reading that and just being so proud of him, you know, like, man, Macho mm-hmm. Man did it. He's come a long way. He's the champ. And that's back when it was hard to be the champ because it was Hogan. Hogan, 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 Andre tried to give it to DiBiase, and then finally Macho Man, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it's just six years of Hogan, you know, with the exception of the Andre thing. Well, not six, but five, 84 89. And, and Macho Man was the champ, and it was something new. And it almost took away from the Warrior because the Warrior wins it in 90. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, it's like, and again, Hogan's gone. And Warrior, I remember him kicking everybody's ass. The best Warrior feud was... He lost his Intercontinental title to Rick Rue, which automatically made him number one contender for Warrior when he became world champion. I thought that was very well booked, very well ex- explained. Like, well, hey, I beat you for this belt, so I should be the first guy getting a crack at that belt. And they had the cage match. Just Warrior Rue was good stuff for me. I don't remember how technically good it was, but as a kid, loved it. But uh, 
the most uh, contributing factor here is Hogan Snake Macho Man's run. Hogan, you know, yeah. ambushed it. So now he has to, you know, fend for himself. What did you think about the locker room stuff? Like you said, he, you know, it, it took Elizabeth to push Hogan back into, you know, into ringside just to yeah. do that. So and then what he, did went, you- he went on a dime. Like he was pussy whipped. Excuse my language, Travis. <laughs> that's what he did. It fuels the fire. It it adds to the to the the saying, How can anyone be mad at Macho Man? There's country songs called Do You Believe Me Now, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's about the guy telling his girl, I don't like the way that dude looks at you, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, Oh, it's nothing, it's nothing. So then you get to the verse. Oh, do you believe me now? Because she's all the way across town with him because she left him for that guy. And mm-hmm. that's that's the mentality Monster Man has right here. Um, uh, so f- for me, again, then even I still think Monster Man, I, I, I was a Hulkamaniac. So, yeah, I, I, I think I was bummed out that Monster Man wasn't a good guy anymore, more so than I was hoping he got his revenge. Well, but now, but wait a minute. Let now let's get into again the great acting of Macho Man because now we get into the point where we remember that if anything you remember about Macho Man's run, quote unquote, as the champ is slapping Hogan in the face during this match to give Hogan the ultimate receipt for doing everything he did five months prior. So what do you think about? Because again, Hogan's acting sucked, but Macho Man. One slap, his eyes raged, he was great. What say you, T.W., about that? Probably a shoot is what that was. (laughs) But but what happened right after that? And this is my problem. Twin Towers, to me, were a tag team. Yeah, there was two singles guys got thrown together, but and it was for the, the... basically to have Hogan have two guys since he had a partner it was instead of Hogan boss man, Hogan Akeem, it was Hogan and Macho Man, both of them. But... Macho Man held his own in there, but was getting his ass kicked when Hogan was gone. Mm-hmm. Hogan has to come save him, and Hogan not only saves him, he ends up being by himself and hits the boot in the leg and pins Akeem. And Boss Man is just nowhere to be found. Because, oh, by the way, he kicked his ass, too. And that's what I mean about you can't complain about Super Cena and not have a problem with Hulk Hogan doing it 10 years earlier, 10 times worse. Like, I'll tell you this. But we were 10 years younger. 10, 10, 15 years later, one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life to this day, I don't care if wrestling's fake, I don't care if they help, I I dare you to try to get Big Ray and Billy Ray Valentine on your shoulders to do an F5, let alone it be the big show in Edge. When he mm-hmm. did that to those two, done, done. And again, that's why I cheered for Cena because everyone hated him. Now people love him again, just like they're starting to come around on Roman they Reigns. Don't, no, no, they don't. They don't love Cena. They respect him. Respect him. Yeah. But I, I, dude, that guy did it longer than anybody without a break. And so, and 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 again, I would have preferred he kept his look he had when he came out versus Kurt Angle. I hated the jean shorts and the whatever. But mm-hmm. what did I just got through saying forty five minutes ago? It made him stand out. He looked mm-hmm. different, and then he became a man, right? So there's something to be said about his gear. I didn't like it. I didn't like that they were making him Eminem. You know, that probably was, had a, something to do with it. But, it but that chain like game and the word life stuff, that stuff's all money. And he did mm-hmm. his own rap. Right. He got a damn song. They played at sporting events. 
Mm -hmm. So now, you know, Super Hogan does what he does against the Twin Towers, the grandstanding and all that. But now here comes acting bad again, part three, because now he's technically pissed. Right. He's pissed that he got he had done him what he did to the other guy. Right. He, so what he did now, he, you know, a light bulb his, hits his face because now he's pissed. But, he does, you know, the question I have, T.W., before he goes back to the locker room to confront Randy Savage, who is... Not, you know, con consoling Miss Elizabeth. He's chastising Miss Elizabeth. So now it's the abusive boyfriend syndrome again. So I don't want to get into that part. But again, the, the levels of Hogan's acting going from tears, uh, you know, crying tears with Miss Elizabeth to now the rage. Is that great acting? He's, he's showing you the range of a great actor. Uh, great Hollywood actor. He's showing you the range of rotten tomatoes and raspberries is what he's showing you. It's all horrible. And again... <laughs> You got to make Randy the heel, so he has to chastise her. Otherwise, we're all thinking he ain't wrong. He's he's got to do something bad for us to think he's the bad guy. You know the funny thing about this episode, Reflectionites and Big Vitoites and TW, is like by the time the match is over, the people in the in the Bradley Center don't know what's going on because they don't play that stuff on their on their Titan Trons. They had they didn't do that until the nineties. So you didn't. So you had to be home to see. This is why 15 to 20 million viewers knew that this was going to happen. And now we get into the infamous locker room scene where you know Miss Elizabeth on the on the on the medical bed on the medical tray, being chastised by uh by by Macho Man Randy Savage. And here comes Hogan. He's pissed, but he's dumbfounded by why is Randy doing this? And T.W. Macho Man, you, you want to talk about great, you know, scripting. You know, you want to talk about, like, writers giving you a script to write. He, they gave Macho Man great stuff to write. Or or Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson said, Macho, here's your bullet points. Just get it out there. Just talk about, you know, the jealousy. Talk about, I know you wanted the, the, the title, Hogan. You, you, you know, he even said that I'm not third on the mega powers, you know, hierarchy. I'm the champ. What say you about what Macho, I'm not talking about Hogan. We already know it's bad acting. But Macho Man carried the heel turn to a I, pristine. There's, there's no way that was scripted. That was all, and I'm telling you, there's a part of him that believed everything he was saying which is why it makes it real, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, you got one two in your eyes, boy. But no, but no, no. But let, before, hold your thought. But you know, people say that Vince McMahon kind of like you know overdoes it. You know, micromanages to make you say certain things. Maybe yeah, there's no script. You know what the greatest show of all time is? Kirby what? It's the okay. greatest show of all time. Of they have no script. They get mm -hmm. four comedians in a room and they say, "Look, one of us has to say this." One of us has to say that. One of us has to say this. One of us has to say that. And we got to take it home with this. Everything in between, fill in the blanks. And mm -hmm. if you pay attention, Jeff Carlin, if you watch him, Jeff Carlin or Garland? Jeff Garland. Mm -hmm. Daddy Daycare, too. He is almost pissing his pants every episode because they're ribbing each other. They're, they're killing each other. And, and the best part is it's still funny to us, right? Like, of course, times. Many times me and, and Scotty Libido and Chris Pilon, when we were the Canadian Imperial Alliance, we would have all these jokes in the back, and we're killing each other. We're just dying. Then we go out to the crowd and do it, and it's crickets. And we're just like, what the hell? Like, this stuff's funny. But then we realize in the back, A, we're heels, so they don't want to laugh. And mm -hmm. B, 
they're inside jokes to us. Like we get it. They don't. So, mm-hmm. so finally we stopped doing that and just went out there and just ad libbed whatever came to mind instead of ribbing each other in the back and cracking each other. And like, say like me and you, whenever we start, we're like saving for the show, saving for the show. So that just comes out organically rather than trying to, to preconceive what we're going to say. Uh, and I just think back then in the eighties, Guys just, hey, and I wouldn't even be surprised if Vince was like, hey, you need to just tell them why you're mad at Hogan. And then he did it. You know, like, yeah, obviously it's over Elizabeth. That's the obvious thing. But then he can say what he ever wants. And that line you said, I don't remember how he said it, but I'm not number three. I'm the champ here. That's money because that's it's one more reason he ain't wrong. He's he's, he's right. not. He he's is. right. And, and, and I don't, you know, in hindsight, you can't. You can't outfault him, and I don't even mean current Hogan and how how he's basically divisive in the wrestling fandom. You know, like half the people love him, still half the people hate him. Macho Man was right. Everything he did and said, and again, Scooby Doo down to '94, where his wife leaves him, and mm-hmm. she's at Hogan's house. So it's it's. I think that was '94, maybe '96, but give no, or take. It was '94 because '96 he was in WCW, so he was NWO. So no, actually, '94 he was in in WCW. Yeah, '92 because it was when Brett lost to Yokozuna, and then the Brutus Beefcake and Hogan lost to the Mega Power or the Money Inc. They didn't lose; they won by DQ or whatever they won by. But anyways, Monster Man was money; he was gold. Um, and and again, in hindsight, I I do remember at WrestleMania four or five, I remember being mad that Hogan beat Monster Man. I mean, I was furious, and and funny enough. When you think of me, who do you think my number one guy is in wrestling? Uh, you always love Ricky Morton. You always love the, the small guys. No, 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 no. Like, I have my Mount Rushmore, but of the four, who's the guy? As a wrestling fan, not as a wrestler, not as a peer, not as a critic, who's my guy? Oh, God, now you're going to put me on the spot because you always like Luger. You, you got Luger, you got Ricky Moore, you got Savage. On the Mount Rushmore. The Mount Rushmore is I have two favorite workers, Sean and mm-hmm. Brett, and right. two favorite wrestlers, Sting and Warrior. As mm-hmm. a fan, Sting and Warrior are one and one A. They, like, okay. I could watch both of them for days. Mm-hmm. As a peer, as a guy who wants to be like them, it's Sean and Brett. Right. They're, just, they're just lights out better than everybody else to me. And, but the warrior, right? I forget where I was going with this. Thank you very much. What was your original question? Well, no, the, it's not a really a question because we looking what's going on in the in the back. Right. Again, Macho Man's acting. Oh, is, I know what I was going to say. First thing. I know what I was going to say. Okay. So just to tell you how much I like Macho Man. A, I was mad that Hogan beat him. Like legit, pissed off. Mm-hmm. And right. by '89, like I said, I'm six. I'm going on seventeen. I was legit mad that Hogan beat Macho Man for the belt. And I just remember thinking, why the why is he always gotta be champion? Like let someone else, you know? And I mm-hmm. loved Macho Man. Like he just it was he just had it. So did Hogan, but he had it. The next year, Warrior beat Hogan. The next year, the only time in my life I cheered against the Ultimate Warrior, and him losing meant he retired. And I cheered for Macho Man because I didn't want Macho Man to retire. And I think I knew deep down Macho Man was losing, right? Mm-hmm. I knew it. You knew it. Everybody knew it. But mm-hmm. what made me really mad was how Macho Man hit him with five elbows and Warrior kicked out of every one of them and then just buried him with those shoulder tackles and splashes and pinned him with his foot. 
I just remember thinking, that ain't no way to send Macho Man out. I was furious, but not as mad as I was at Hogan beating Macho Man again. I was so hoping Savage beat Hogan. So that Hogan-Savage, that whole deal is and, and at that point I had I, I used to keep a top 10 that I wrote. Remember in school you had to make the paper book covers for the school books so you protected oh, them. So right. I would write a book and I would write with the ruler lines and I would always have my top 10 wrestlers. And if mm-hmm. you look back at it especially in high school which would have been 88, 89, 90 and 91 always heels. Perfect. Razor Ramon, Macho Man, uh Rick Flair snuck in there once I got cable. Um all these guys, and then obviously the Steamboats and the Lugers and the Stings and all that. But I think when Hogan beat Savage, that made me full-on like heels more than babyfaces. From that point yeah. on in my life, I was just pro-heel. We're, we're, getting, we're getting older, and the Hogan winning yeah. and overcoming got passe. I mean, you saw, like I said, we saw the, well, for me, I saw this coming. I just said, I didn't know where he was going to do it. I just knew that Macho Man was going to do something to Hogan, and it happened in the ring, and it happened in the back. And the funny thing, before we even talk about, we're going to close out with the second match, which kind of a, was kind of like the, you know, level down match. It was like, you, you could go to the bathroom, you could get some popcorn, but we'll, we'll talk about the match, and we'll give it its respect here, Reflection Nights. But they they said that the, the main event, the, that locker room scene was edited twice, because Brutus Peakcake fucked up his timing, so they had to redo it. So the, what, what you saw in the main event, what I showed you, was the, the NBC version. But there's another version where Beefcake fucked this up. He was actually by the camera angle, you know, in the way, and you couldn't see some of the stuff. He was, like, waiting for his cue to come in, and they, they messed it up. So if you ever see that Reflection Nights in TW, it's on YouTube somewhere, somehow. Just did, call you up. Catch, did you catch before Elizabeth? sent Hogan back out, he was holding her hand and going, please, God, please, God, don't let her be dead. And then all of a sudden he says, we need a countdown or something. And I was like, what? And then she kept opening her eyes. And then right after he said, we need a countdown or something, she opens her eyes and he looks, he goes, oh, good, you're alive, you're alive, you're alive. And then she sent him down there. But go back and watch it. He literally says, we need a countdown or something. Like he's looking around like, we need a countdown or something. Like... No, but you you can see the gops. You can see like the faux pas that happened in the back because you know Vince McMahon wasn't doing what he did on Monday Night Raws. He wasn't doing because it wasn't live. We know this. This was not a live show. So anyway, again, we'll 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 give our closing thoughts, TW, about the you know the mega powers exploding here on the main event. But we got to give the you know before we close out, we got to give the 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 next match. It's just due. It was the fight for slavery. The fight for freedom between the million-dollar man, Teddy Biasi, and the mighty Hercules. And the funny thing here is, you know, 2021 derives, TW, we know that this match, Hercules, he needs a win to justify everything that he did. So, but back then in the 80s, it wasn't about wins and losses. It did not matter. It mattered that he got his freedom because he was not a slave to Million Dollar Man Teddy Biasi. And the funny thing here is the white man is, you know, fighting for his freedom while we have Virgil, you know, being, you know, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud to be a slave. He's the Samuel L. Jackson of the Django and Chain in this match between himself and Million Dollar Man Teddy Biasi. And of course, 
Teddy Biasi gets the win. This is, I think, this is before the million dollar belt, right? Or this is yeah. just, it's no. starting. Well, I mean, it, it's we're start, it, up to WrestleMania 89. Didn't the million dollar belt come around after he got screwed at 88? Yeah, it, it start, it, I know 89 was the start of the million dollar belt year, but it was either before this or after this. But anyway, yeah, that, WrestleMania. it's neither here nor there. But TW, at least I wanted to give respect to the, to the match. The storyline before it was great. The match was drizzling shits, but it's just funny to see that the, the white man is trying to fight for his freedom. What say you, TW? See, there you go, assuming race. It is race. It is always race. Let me say it for you again. You ready? Mm-hmm. Hercules? Hernandez. He ain't Hernandez. I, res I dispute that. His name was Hercules Schwartz. Schwarzenberger. It was not Hernandez. It was Schwarzenberger. Hey, Hernandez is like his shoot name. Mm -hmm. Anyway, when he came out swinging that chain, I looked at the TV and I'm like, this is 89. I'm like, that has the warrior has to be coming out to kick his ass. Like, warrior Hercules feud, right? That was 87. Right. Again, this is 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. When DiBiase's music came on, I'm like, what the hell? Hercules versus DiBiase? I'm like, Hercules is a babyface? The crowd didn't give a shit. He's swinging a rope like he's the Zamboni driver with a towel or an octopus at the Wings game. And the crowd was just sitting on their hands. More than likely, this match was recorded before Macho Man and Hogan's. Mm -hmm. And I remembered something. Rockers versus Brett and Neidhart was advertised for this, and it didn't happen because of Hogan and Savage's match going so long. And mm -hmm. I think that's why I was pissed. So when their <laughs> match ended, I remember thinking, there's not that much time left. Where's the Rockers and the Hart Foundation? And so when you see Hogan in the back pushing those guys, they were calling their match because they still had it. It just wasn't on TV. Mm -hmm. And I think they might even have showed it on Superstars like – the Saturday morning or Sunday morning, but I just no, remember, and I'm like, what the fuck? Where's the, where's this? Why I'm watching this attack match. Right. But it never even made it. So well, wait a I minute. Think, you know, wait, I'm in, I'm in legal. So, you know, logistically speaking, you got advertised. You, you said you didn't get the match, but advertisement per se, you got them on TV. So you got right, your rockers right, and you got your, right. your midnight express. I can explain why they got the hand face, the gas face by Hogan. Mm -hmm. All four of them got on camera, but right. I just remember, Looking at the clock, if I if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure this is all coming back to me now. This is this is 47 years of drug free living. Mm -hmm. When they said, "All right, we'll be back," I remember thinking, "There's not that much time left, man. The the Heart Foundation Rockers are gonna get screwed out of cheating time." And then when it came back on, and Hercules is in the ring, and DiBiase comes on, I'm like, "What?" And then that mm -hmm. was it. That match ended. They went and talked about Hogan a little bit more, and it was over. And I was like, "What in the blue hell just happened? Where's where's the the only thing worse?" was when September of 88, when I told all my friends at school to watch Class of the Champions because the greatest match of all time was going to happen, Lex Luger versus Sid Vicious, and then it ended in nine seconds. Well, you might that be drug-free. Oli was the manager for you Sid. Might be, you might be drug-free, but you're not alcohol-free because you was drunk <laughs> when you said that, so, eh? 15, but, man. Give me a break. <laughs> I'll give you a break. I'll give you a pass on that. But anyway, TW, we, we at least gave the respect to Hercules and Million Dollar Man. I, again, it didn't live up to the hype, but again, the just, store... Just so everyone knows, Hercules did have him in the in the, in the the torture rack, whatever they called it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Virgil distracted the ref, 
DiBiase was able to get out and then roll him up and pull the tights for the victory. So he got a heel victory. Hercules got screwed, but they let you know that Hercules should have won because he had him in the move. But you, you know what? Before we close out, just like you said that you miss gimmicks, Hercules having the centurion gimmick of being, you know, Hercules made him interesting, so to speak, to a degree. If he was a Johnny-come-lately like an AEW, like all these flippity-flop dudes, and he didn't have the chain, this storyline would have made, wouldn't, I wouldn't have cared. I would have changed the channel. That's why it wasn't 33 million viewers. It was down to 20 million. It could have been, with this match, after the main event, after the uh, the Mega Powers match, it could have went down to 7 million because what say you, TW? Again, you said, like, we miss gimmicks like this. Yeah, if, and, if, and this is the watered-down Hercules. He just has the when, yeah. when he came out, was it Ricky Steamboat he fought at WrestleMania 2? Yes. And he come out and he's got that basically Russell Crowe gladiator gear on and mm -hmm. huge hair. And I want to say Steamboat beat him with the high cross body. Yes. Um, but he looked like someone that would kick your ass, right? Mm -hmm. but again, he, he, I think Hercules might be the Samson of the WWF. Once he cut his hair, he's garbage. Like he, he just he lost his powers. He lost his powers. Power and glory. Power and of glory course. was a nice little run for him. Um, mm -hmm. But before that, he just when he was I, I want to say he was with Blassie first, and then ended up with Heenan. But Blassie was maybe when he first came out in that gladiator gear, or maybe mm -hmm. even Fuji. But I just remember Heenan got no, him later. It was it was Fuji. Yeah, and Heenan got him later. But he just once he just watered down to the. Uh, to the chain and swinging the chain like that stuff with Billy Jack Haynes and the full Nelson contest and and all that stuff he just he just wasn't the same but, but he was he was serviceable and he was a good right. good hand and, and he, he was goes to WCW and he's the super invader with that pink pantyhose mask and I just remember thinking why you know back then money right, money behind the curtain stuff for you right okay my guess is. They didn't know what to do with him because they couldn't call him Hercules Hernandez, right? That was probably copywritten. They weren't going to call him Ray Hernandez. So what do you call him? So they're like, oh, let's put a mask on him. Because Billy Jack Haynes went there with a mask, too. He was Butcher, Butcher Blood mm. or something Blood. Anyways, that's his real name. I don't know why Billy Jack Haynes did it. But Hercules, here, here's a fun story. A, before there were contracts, guys would wear masks so they could wrestle twice. Like, Danny Davis was a referee and Mr. X got two mm -hmm. faded. But the other reason guys wore masks is because, like, they got the 90-day no-competes now. A mm -hmm. guy could go on TV in a mask and wrestle. As long as no one knew it was him, he could do it. So these guys would go on TV, and that's where you'd get guys that go out there, have a mask, have a mask, and then they get unmasked. And you're like, holy shit, that's that guy. It's because... He had to not have his face and name on TV until the 90 days was up. Because that 90 days has been around for a long, long time. Or, you know, the guarantees. Now it's like a hard 90, but you can't go on TV with a mask either. Uh -huh. uh, but, but that's why guys wore masks. But when he was a super invader, I, I prided myself back then. And WCW had a lot of guys wear masks on Saturday night. Uh, I prided myself in figuring out who those guys were. Like, I'd see a guy in a mask... 
And you know what gave it away was their moves, like their movement. And Hercules is just one of those guys. He he kind of walked like Frankenstein in there. You know? His his body shape kind of gave it away yeah. as a super invader. So I, I kind of understand what you're talking about with that, with that per se. And I think Billy Jack Haynes, it took me a minute. I might even have had to find that out through the dirt sheets. The, the Phantom had to tell me in the Wrestler magazine. But, but yeah. when I found out, I was like, whoa, that's him? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was the magazines that made me find out Billy Jack un, under the mask. I was never because he looked tall, tall and lanky. He didn't look like he did in. Uh, and he grew his hair. And he grew his hair yeah. longer. So yeah. that was that was another giveaway. So you know what? Let's close this out, TW. I'll give it a little bit minute, a, a big minute here to close out on oh, my I end. Forgot. I was gonna let you know something that I figured out. Besides the Heart Foundation and Rockers, the doctor who's checking on Elizabeth. Uh huh. I'm pretty sure that's the guy. I think they call him Doc, too. Um, nah, maybe not because Doc Hendricks, but he's their prop guy. He's mm-hmm. the guy that I got my uh, Undertaker Druid uh, gear for and gave out the security guard shirts to everybody else. And he was the one, after you were done, you had to take it back to him. He's their prop guy that gives them all the stuff for and then makes props. Like, he goes and makes he's, stuff. He's, that, he's, and he looks exactly the same in 89 as he did in 05. He's one of those WWE lifers or, you know, one of those 30-year employed uh, WWE guys. So, you know, God bless him for having a job that long. But anyway. People liked him, too. He was a real likable guy. He was cool to us. He treated all of us the same way he interacted with all the guys that were contract guys. He was a really, really nice guy. I hope he's still alive. I mean, that was 16 years ago, but he looked like he was maybe 50 when I was there in 05. Maybe maybe 55, 60. Real nice if anything, he retired and he's in Boca Raton right now, you know, collecting a good royalties from WWE Network. But anyway, let's close this out here. I'll give you a little minute here. Macho Man, this was not, they called this the, you know, infamous heel turn. I call this the greatest babyface turn I ever seen in my life because a man protected his woman. A man protected his spot. He did everything. As the champion, he protected his spot. He, he felt the business come out after him. He was feeling he was going to get snaked. He, this was a greatest babyface turn ever. Like you said, he was justified. You know, Vince McMahon manipulated the masses. He can't do that no more. He, he tried to do that in 92 with Sid, Vicious, with Sid Justice and Hulk Hogan, and the fans turned on Vince McMahon. But Vince McMahon's got him over one more time, but he knew that he could never do that again with any good guy. Once after that, because you could not manipulate the fans, he had three chances, TW. He he let them all out with Hogan. He did it with Orndorff, Savage, Justice, and then it was it. Strike three, you're out, and no but more. You know, you know what they all had in common, what was really happening? Oh. They were grooming them. They were grooming mm-hmm. them to be the guy who replaced Hogan. And Hogan mm-hmm. knew it, and Hogan sabotaged all three along the way. I'm telling you, they mm-hmm. turned those guys heel when they realized they weren't going to be the next Hogan. That's when it happens. And, mm-hmm. you know, unless they had the board meeting once a year and go, all right, we're going to have Savage as a good guy for this year, then you're going to have him turn, and then Hogan's going to take the belt back from him next year. Unless that conversation happened, they were planning on running with Savage. They were Because he would have been their Ric Flair. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. He would have been their small workhorse champion. Uh, you don't have to book all these Goliaths that can't work, can't move. Come on. Like, God bless him. God rest his soul. Giant Gonzalez 
might be one of the worst things ever not named Yeti. And he, he was actually better in WCW when he was when he first came out where he had that like Spartan, like Aztecan warrior type deal. I don't know. Norm- I, no, no. I, I, I'm saying the look the, Okay, the look was better. Look. Okay, I get you. Because he looked he, like a he, he looked like a wildebeest, yeah. But not mm-hmm. dressed as Tigra from the West Coast Avengers. It's just it was right. god awful. He looked like the cheetah from uh, DC Comics. Just like the warrior wearing the the muscle tone that made him look butt naked singlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrible look. Terrible yeah. look. It, it is. So with that being said, Reflectionites, this has been episode 131 of the PWR podcast here at the PW Hustle Networks at Powerbeam.com. TW, give out those big veto uh, websites for us and let's close it out. All right. These are for you, Ray. All right. So, bigvetobrand.wixsite.com. That's W-I-X-S-I-T-E. And he has a Patreon. It's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, backslash the Big Veto Brand. Uh, As for me, the show is at PW Reflection. That's the Pro Wrestling Reflection. That's on the Twitter. Uh, At Big Ray's Show is on the Twitter. Our guy, we can't do this without him. My political one is gathering dust is at Tommy Wonder 19. My wrestling one is at the Tommy Wonder. My Instagram is also at Tommy Wonder 19. Put all my wrestling figures and title belts and stuff like that on there. And then Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. And I always forget this one, but this is my baby. I'm gonna start selling merch. Me and my just what's better than watching Tommy Wonder make an ass of himself? Watching him make an ass out of himself with two of his closest friends, the Thruple. Dumb, dumb duo and an idiot. Just go wow. on YouTube, like us, follow us, reshare our stuff, and and just laugh at us and laugh with us. And it's we're learning. People I, prefer I, when we eat the hot foods, not just as much food as we can. I, I'm crying because I didn't have to do it myself. I didn't have to <laughs> remind you to plug your own show because I'm the it's the last couple episodes has been me to remind you that you're that, Mr. Dumb Dumb Duo. So and we appreciate and, um, no problem. And I, like I said, I, I like you. That's why I call you the Iron Stomach. But anyway, you can follow me on my Twitter at P-R-O-F-P-W-Hustle. A-K- well, not P-R-O-F-P-W-Hustle. P-W-Hustle, P-R-O-F. That's what it is. But anyway, of course, Billy Ray Valentine, Mr. Infinite French, he's got the documents. He knows what's going on with these with this impeachment trials that's going on with former President Donald Trump. At Obi-Wan, you know me. And, of course, my man, 8-Track Brown, the dirtiest of the city, at 8-Track Dastardly. And I want to... Hmm? We forgot JB. Who? 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 Anyway, P1JB. That's that's my warning, JB. I'm just getting it. You know, I'm about to say who, but then we might might forget you. Football's over, so he doesn't have to do his gambling show anymore. He can come back home. There you go. See? Well, unless he's going to gamble on basketball. So he's going to find another excuse. But anyway. I watch basketball. It's a gamble whether or not I'm going to stay awake. Yes. <laughs> but you know what? Next week, TW, we're going to do a little Black History Month Pro Wrestling Spotlight. I want to give a shout out to Donna Destruction, Donnie Reynolds, because he actually uh, gave me, you know, the foresight of this because he's been doing like day one of Black History Month, day two of the wrestlers, and of course... About a week ago, TW, I forget the the, the timeline, but we lost a, a great wrestler, a great African-American wrestler, Hacksaw Butchery. He died too young. 
66 years old. So, you know what? It would be apropos. We're going to do a pro wrestling spotlight on the tag team of Doom, Hacksaw Butch Reed, and the All-American Ron Simmons. So, TW, get your homework in with the, the matches they had with the Steiner Brothers. Doom skyscrapers has to be in there. Well... You, we'll find it. I will find something for you. Doom versus somebody, but we're going to give the respect to Hacksaw Butchery, but we're going to focus on the tag team career of Doom. And with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful, the Iron Stomach, T.W. Tommy Wonder saying goodnight and see you next time. And T.W., close it out for us, please. You got lust in your eyes, brother. Lust in your eyes. Oh, yeah. Dig it.